Winterhawk Podcasting presents Lower 48. Episode 3, Carcass. Hey, Cammy. Sorry we uh, haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, we've had a little bit of trouble getting this message over to you. Yeah, so we, we ended up driving through, what's it called again? The National... The National Radio Quiet Zone? Yeah, so we had no service. Yeah, our, our music stopped playing, yeah. and it was, it was pretty freaky. Yeah. Not gonna lie. But we ended up making it to Monterey, and... Uh, we just kind of drove around and stopped anywhere we could f- see people just asking about this farmer that's referenced in the tips journal. Yeah, and there wasn't really anybody alive still that I think <laughs> Tibbs ran into. Yeah. Uh, but somebody did actually point us in the direction of a farm. Yeah, they said that there was kind of this old hermit that lives at a farm outside of town, and they gave us some kind of vague directions. So we ended up driving for like, it must have been a half an hour. It was not that far from town, but it took us like a half an hour to get there. Yeah. And uh, we pulled in and it was this, there was this like super old guy. He came out. He was like kind of pissed at us a little bit. Like, So we tried to talk him out of being angry with us, but the closer we got to him, the more we could smell the, the faint scent of bourbon i'm pretty sure he was just drunk he was out it was so hard to understand anything he was saying but the longer we talked to him the the later it was getting it was pretty late already but the sun was starting to go down and as the sun was going down he was getting more and more agitated like yeah more like nervous though he he, yeah it changed from like being angry to being like afraid yeah so he like he invited us in to his house and we were like okay so we went in there and he fed us some dinner and he got like pretty hospitable for a little while yeah he's he kept talking to us and he was he was telling us well something yeah. it was really difficult to understand but the thing that we did understand was that he kept insisting that we stay the night yeah we were like mm, no that's all right but he he basically told us we were staying the night there was no choice and we were like we just asked him why Yeah, and that's when he told us this story. This is what we were able to piece together from what Jackson Fields told us. The woods were beautiful this time of year. Days were still warm, but the crisp, cool air that filled the mountains signaled the end of autumn. It was strange for Jackson to be here this late in the year. Usually by now he would be back in the city with his mother. He lay still in his canvas sleeping bag, letting the sounds of the forest wash over him. The chaos of the sounds filled his mind and left him with a sense of clarity, even belonging. This is why he loved these isolated woods around his grandfather's farm. He had first started sleeping out amongst the trees when he was eight. It was lonely in the mountains and he needed to get away from his quiet and strict grandfather. He had waited until his grandfather had gone to sleep one night and then slipped out through the window in his small bedroom, leaving the warmth of the rickety old house for the cold mystery of the forest outside. In hindsight, leaving the house with nothing but the pajamas on his back and a too-thin blanket had been a stupid idea. When his grandfather found him the next morning, not a hundred yards from the house, he was shaking in his sleep. Turn him blue, his grandfather would say when recounting that day. 
He had carried Jackson back to the house and warmed him up by burning some of their precious winter firewood. For the rest of the day, Jackson could hear him muttering to himself every time he walked in the main room. Stupid boy. The next morning when Jackson came out of his room, his grandfather had a sleeping bag and some other camping equipment set out for him. He spent the next couple of days learning how to light fires safely, how to set up shelters using the surrounding brush and other simple survival techniques. Ever since then, Jackson would spend about half of his summer sleeping in the woods surrounding the farm. Those few days were the closest he had ever really felt to his grandfather. This year was different, though. Jackson was 12 now, and this would be the first winter he stayed here. Two months ago, right at the end of the summer, a man had driven in from the city with some horrible news. Over a week earlier, Jackson's mother had been killed in a car accident. They'd been trying to find a way to contact his grandfather, but since he didn't have a phone and rarely left the farm, they were forced to drive all the way out to tell them the news. The next day, Jackson and his grandfather got in his ancient pickup and drove into Richmond. The apartment Jackson had lived in with his mother looked so small without her there. Just a couple of weeks after her death, and it already felt cold and lifeless. Jackson's grandfather threw most of the things in the apartment away, and... Everything Jackson owned fit neatly in two medium-sized boxes. On the way out of the city, they stopped at the mortuary and picked up an urn with his mother's ashes. He kept the urn clutched tightly in his arms for the two-and-a-half-hour drive back to the farm, struggling and failing to keep the silent tears from falling down his cheeks. His grandfather didn't say a word the entire time they were gone. When they got back, Jackson put the urn in his room, packed a bag, and left for the woods. He didn't come back to the house for over two weeks. When he came back, it was as if nothing had changed. They never talked about it. It was just assumed that life would continue with Jackson staying at the farm year-round now. It was a small farm. A few sheep and goats, a cow or two depending on the year. Chickens ran loose and there was a couple of ducks that lived with the chickens, having gotten confused mid-migration several years earlier and joined the coop. Small enough operation to maintain, but large enough to keep busy. Jackson's main responsibility was keeping up the large vegetable garden. They would harvest and preserve as many vegetables as possible in the cellar. They would have to slaughter a cow and maybe one of the sheep, but there would be enough food to last the winter, even with the unexpected mouth to feed. Now that the harvest was over and the air had grown colder, Jackson could spend more time in the woods. Deeper and deeper he would go, building small shelters, trapping rabbits or squirrels for food. From the direction of the house, he could hear his grandfather sawing and hammering guilt that he wasn't helping with whatever it was would sometimes eat at him, but he would push it away. If the old bastard needed his help, he would ask. Or, rather, he would spit some tobacco in the dirt and gesture to whatever he wanted Jackson to help with. Despite the circumstances, Jackson started to feel grateful to be here in the woods at this time of year. They were high enough in the mountains that the leaves had started to turn, something he had never actually seen before. It was beautiful. This could actually be a home. It could actually be his home. Today, the sounds of hammering echoed through the forest, interrupting the reverie that Jackson was enjoying. Annoyed, he packed up his things and moved further into the woods, trying to escape that one unnatural sound interrupting his peace. The next morning, he woke to a light layer of dew on his face, the cool air misting across it. He had found a small clearing the night before that housed a pond. A brook fed the pond, and Jackson had fallen asleep to the peaceful gurgling of the running water. A small fog had blanketed the clearing, light enough that he could still see across the pond, but not much further. The low morning light was dampened, 
and it lit everything in a beautiful glow. It was one of the most gorgeous sights that Jackson had ever seen. His eyes took in the unexpected beauty that surrounded him. But instead of the wonder and awe he usually felt at a sight like this, he felt his heart sink into the pit of his stomach, a low dread filling the space it left behind. Something wasn't right. It took him a moment to figure out what it was. The sound of the running water had covered it up for a moment. But usually, a morning in the woods was filled with the sounds of birds, bugs, and other creatures. Everything waking up together, nature coming alive. This morning, there was nothing. No birds chirping, no small animals scurrying through the brush, just nothing. The air suddenly felt heavy with the silence. It was almost as if the forest was dead. Suddenly a loud scream cut through the silence, echoing through the trees from a distance. It was a terrible ripping scream, and it echoed through the trees around him until it seemed to become less of a scream and more of an overwhelming force vibrating through his body. Jackson held his breath, fear clutching at his chest. Glancing around, he could see that he was still alone in the clearing, but the woods were too deep and the fog too thick to see any further towards where the scream had come from. He felt like the fog was closing in and wrapping around him. The air felt hostile, almost like it wanted to strangle him. Finally, when he couldn't take it anymore, he opened his mouth and gasped in the cold air. The spell was broken. The fog seemed to recede, and the morning sounds of nature exploded through the air. After the unnatural silence, it was almost deafening. Jackson sat still for a long time, letting the anxiety leave his body. Then he slowly got up and started clearing his camp. He had almost packed everything away when his grandfather suddenly ran into the clearing holding his rifle. There you are, damn it, he growled at Jackson. Get your things now. Jackson was shocked by the sudden intensity in his grandfather's voice. He didn't argue, he just grabbed his things and followed. As they hurried to the edge of the woods and toward the house, he could hear his grandfather muttering to himself, Early this year. Too early. Not ready yet. Jackson almost asked what he was talking about, but fell silent at a realization that the intensity in his grandfather's voice was tinged with something else. Fear. He was shocked. His grandfather was so stoic and put together. Nothing phased or affected him, not even the death of his own daughter. Why was he afraid now? They broke the tree line surrounding the house, and Jackson now saw what his grandfather had been working on the past few days. There were wooden planks lying on the ground all around the house. Several of the windows were covered by planks, nailed straight into the wall. He had noticed little holes in the wall around the windows before, but it had never really registered that they actually meant anything. Throw your stuff inside and start covering the windows, his grandfather growled, gesturing at a hammer and a bucket of nails by the wooden planks. For the next several hours, Jackson hammered until his hand felt raw. He only managed to get two windows on the main room covered by the time the sun started going down. While he was working, he had noticed that his grandfather was putting a long iron pole in the ground, directly in between the house and the tree line. The pole was old and mounted in a bucket filled with cement. He had dug a hole several feet deep to put it in and then filled the hole with dirt, packing it tight. Welded about halfway up the pole was a large ring. After the pole was secure in the ground, Jackson watched as his grandfather went to the small barn and led larger of their two cows out by a rope. He brought the cow to the pole and fed the rope through the ring, securing them in place. He took the cow's head in his hands and rubbed under its chin affectionately, speaking quietly so only the cow could hear. 
Jackson listened carefully, trying to eavesdrop, but all he made out was, I'm sorry, before his grandfather walked away from the cow. He came over to where Jackson was and looked at the slow progress he had made. The sun was starting to set over the trees now, and Jackson saw his grandfather give it a nervous glance before looking over Jackson's work. That'll have to do, he said, looking disappointed. We'll sleep in the main room tonight. That night, Jackson and his grandfather slept in the main room by the fire stove in their sleeping bags. His grandfather had made sure that all the doors leading into rooms with still uncovered windows were securely shut. Late in the evening, Jackson woke up. He lay in the dark for a moment, not realizing that he was back in the house, thrown by the fact that he was in a sleeping bag. He could hear his grandfather's deep breathing across the room and relaxed. Rolling over on the hard floor, he tried to go back to sleep. Suddenly, a high-piercing scream echoed from outside, and Jackson sat bolt upright. He could hear the cow, still tied to the pole outside, grunting in fear. He sat in the dark, listening intently for any other noise. Again, a scream rang out, causing the hair on his arms to stand straight up. The cow started bellowing hysterically. He crawled out of his sleeping bag and started quickly but quietly toward the door to his bedroom. And there he could peek out the window and see what was going on. Just as he started to turn the knob, a low, urgent voice cut through the darkness. No. Back in your bag. Now. He turned and could make out the dark figure of his grandfather sitting up in his own sleeping bag. But, he started. No. His grandfather interrupted. This time with a little steel in his voice. Back to bed. No arguments. Reluctantly, he crawled back to his sleeping bag, still feeling disturbed by the noises the cow was making outside. It took a long time for him to fall back asleep. When he got up the next morning, the first thing he did was check outside. The cow was still tied there in the middle of the yard, and to Jackson's surprise, his grandfather was already out there bringing it some feed and a bucket of water. As the cow drank from the bucket, his grandfather patted its side affectionately. Jackson watched from the shadows of the doorway in surprise. This was not what he had expected after his grandfather's reaction the night before. He waited until his grandfather had walked around to the other side of the house before stepping out and going to the cow. It looked up at him with sad eyes, and he noticed that there were deep rope burns on its neck where the rope was tied. Clearly, it had tried to pull itself free last night. I'm sorry, girl, he whispered as he stroked her ears gently. What his grandfather was doing to this poor creature was pure cruelty. The rest of the day was spent hammering planks over the rest of the windows. As Jackson and his grandfather worked, a cold wind blew in. By late afternoon, dark clouds had started hanging heavily in the sky. Think it's going to rain? Jackson asked his grandfather, who merely grunted in reply. They finished covering the last window just as some light drops fell from the sky. They went inside the house and had a quiet supper before going to bed this time in their separate rooms. Jackson lay there a long time, letting the darkness seep around him. The sounds of the storm outside got louder and louder as the night went on. The only break in the sound of rain was the occasional rumble of thunder. Just as he was starting to fall asleep, he heard it. The scream. It cut straight through the rain and made him freeze. The cow outside started bellowing again. Enough of this, Jackson thought, and hopped out of bed. He didn't know what his grandfather was up to, but he was going to let that poor cow go. He slipped his shoes on and crept out of his room toward the front door. He tried to stay as close to the wall as possible to keep the floor from flexing and creaking. 
When he reached the front door, he opened it just wide enough to squeeze through and was outside. The rain was slamming down all around now. He couldn't see clearly more than five feet in front of where he was standing. The cow had stopped bellowing now, but Jackson could just make out its dark shape moving slightly in the rain. He stepped off the porch and made his way toward it, his feet squishing in the mud. As he got a little closer, he could see the cow a little better. It looked like it was laying in the mud on its side. He took another step and then came to an abrupt stop. The cow was lying on its side, barely stirring in the mud, blood leaking out of a huge gash. Kneeling behind it and tearing hungrily into its flesh was a beast. With its huge antlers, it almost looked like an elk, except for its mouth was too long, traveling all the way up its jawline almost back to its eyes. Its razor-sharp teeth tore through the flesh with blinding efficiency. It reached over the top of the cow to get a better grip on its body, and Jackson saw that instead of hooves it had strong, skinny fingers with long, sharp claws. It dug them deep into the flesh of the cow and held it still so it could continue to feast. Jackson opened his mouth to scream, but no sound came out. He tried to step back, but his legs didn't respond, and he fell backwards into the mud with a loud squelching sound. The beast jerked its head up and zeroed in on him. They stared at each other for a second before it lifted its head to the sky and bellowed out a loud scream. Jackson scrambled backwards, pissing himself out of fear. Jackson! A voice came from behind him. As Jackson clambered to his feet, he saw that his grandfather had followed him outside and was only a few yards away now. He was staring past Jackson at the beast, a look of horror on his face. Jackson sprinted past him, shoving him aside in panic. He ran awkwardly through the mud, almost falling several times on his way back to the house. He made it through the open door and pulled it shut behind him. No thoughts went through his head. His senses were overrun by pure panic as he took a few steps back. A sound outside on the porch brought him back to reality. The handle started to move and Jackson jumped forward, pulling it tight with all his strength. He couldn't let the beast get inside. The handle was being jerked back and forth, but Jackson held firm. A fist started pounding on the door. Let me in, yelled his grandfather's panicked voice. Jackson, open the door! Jackson felt the tears streaming down his face, but he didn't let go. Jackson, please, please! Jackson heard another of the beast's terrible screams and his grandfather shrieked in terror. There was a huge thump, and the door shook one last time. The only thing Jackson could hear now was the rain slamming down on the roof of the house. He slumped to the floor in front of the door and cried. He heard one last scream from the beast, further away now, and dampened by the water. Then nothing. Jackson didn't move until dull gray light, muted by the clouds, started leaking through the gaps in the planks covering the windows. Slowly he stood, his body stiff and sore. He cracked open the door and peeked out, glancing around the yard. Nothing moved. Pulling open the door, he saw that it was covered in blood. The blood streaked down the door and along the deck, stopping only when it got to where the rain had swept under the awning and onto the stairs. He stepped over it and walked through the muddy yard to the pole. The cow was gone, and there was no sign of his grandfather. The only thing left of them were large rivets in the mud, where the beast had dragged their bodies across the yard and into the woods. Jackson stared blankly in the direction the drag marks disappeared into the trees and slowly sank to his knees in the deep mud, unable to move. <laughs>
any further. So the thing about the story is that we kind of had to piece that together from his ramblings. Yeah, it was it was still pretty hard to understand. Even after he kind of sobered up a little bit, it was really hard to understand what he was saying. So that was that was what we were able to piece together from everything that he told us. But by the time he finished telling us, it was like 2 in the morning. So we ended up just staying the night anyways. Yeah, we ended up staying in uh, a guest room with a single twin bed, which yeah. was give us a lot of time to talk about the story and kind, <laughs> kind of, of figure it out figure, yeah exactly we put a chair under the door <laughs> we, we locked the door and we put a chair under the doorknob so he wouldn't like come in and kill yeah, us in the middle of the night obviously it, was, it yeah. was really freaky so we got up the next morning and everything was fine you know and he was making some food he was making some breakfast and he served us some mushy peas yeah no he served you some mushy peas <laughs> I, I didn't touch it it looked so gross look i was so hungry Honestly, it was quite delicious, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was fine after that, like weird, but fine. So we pack up and we're getting ready to leave. We're walking out to our car and he's standing out in the middle of his property, hammering this giant iron spike, this pole into the ground. Yeah. I was a little bit freaked out when he turned and looked at us and he, he waved at us yeah, and, and he, he smiled. smiled. He smiled at us. That was the only time that he smiled the whole time we were there. Yeah, just a weird experience all the way around. Yeah, you know, one one thing that I thought w- that was interesting was that, you know, he's he's out there and he's obviously freaked out about something. Yeah. But, I mean, I didn't hear anything that entire night. True, yeah. I Honestly, I got the best sleep I've had in weeks. <laughs> yeah, so, I bet. Despite the fact that we were sharing that twin bed. <laughs> but I don't know if you would, to be honest with you, because... According to the, t- the timeline that he gave us, it would be a little bit later in the year that you'd be able to hear, right? <laughs> Austin, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you actually believed him. Look, I'm not saying I believe him, but the whole experience really got to me, okay? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later, Cammy. Okay, bye, Cammy. Lower 48 is a production of Winterhawk Podcasting. Written and presented by Zach Berry and Austin Meredith, with music by Tyra Orgill.